the micronutrient content of our food is not what it used to be um, as a result of these conventional practices and deterioration of our topsoil, which, you know, for, for me, when I'm talking to, to like a customer, I say is that the biological health of the soil has not been cared for, has not been tended. We have not been supporting the biome or, or you think of your gut health, right? Your gut health gets, gets out, of, out of whack and you wait 20, 30 years, it's a hell of a lot harder to get it back. I think agriculture is, is, is the solution, is the way out. You are listening to The Medicine Podcast. I am Mimi. What is up, everybody? This is Chase. So long story short, we were childhood sweethearts turned husband and wife in our early 20s. Despite following the mainstream script for happiness, we actually divorced for three years. Only to later reunite as soulmates with a brand new outlook on love, God, health, and the real medicines of the universe. If you find yourself wondering, is there more to this life, to health, to God, to love? Then you are in the exact right place. Consider this your bridge to expansion for body, mind, and relationships. We are uncovering and discovering with you. Let's go take the medicine. Hey, hey, medicine friends. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with our voices in your ear. We appreciate you so much. So the topic of today's episode can sort of feel doom and gloom because it's something that affects literally every human on earth. And not just you and me today, but also our children and future grandchildren. That topic is the current and future state of the health of our earth, specifically soil and water today with our guest, Parker Cohn. Parker is nicknamed the soil surgeon because he is a soil management expert who helps farms increase the quality and quantity of crop yields while reducing the amount of water, energy, chemicals, and labor used. He's a total badass. (laughs) His business, Performance Resource Management, uses a unique combination of biological processes and drone technologies to rebuild the soil on farms and golf courses with massive implications for global environmental conservation. These results include creating a healthier food supply, a cleaner water supply, and reduced carbon footprint. The water and energy infrastructure of agriculture in the West is a major threat to health and food security around the globe. And Parker's systems are powerful answers we've been looking for to support soil health and move forward solving our climate crisis. We at The Medicine live by this sort of motto, and I've said it many times, and that is, once we know better, we can do better. This applies to literally everything in life, our health, relationships, consciousness, nutrition, everything. So I want you to remember this as you listen today, because at times in recording this podcast, I could feel the anxiety of like, what is going to happen to us all sort of rising up in my body, which you may feel too as you listen. But please remember the best thing we can do is raise awareness not ignore the issues, and address what we can from inside our own homes. If every human did that, the world would change overnight. One more thing before we jump in, 
If the medicine has helped your life in any way, please leave us a review in Apple Podcasts. If you don't know how, just Google how to leave an Apple Podcast review and detailed instructions will pop right up. It should only take you about two minutes and it really helps support our mission of helping others create conscious lives and relationships. We would be so grateful to you. All right, enjoy our conversation with the soil surgeon, Parker Cohn. Welcome back to the Medicine Podcast. My name is Mimi and I have my love Chase here with me. What is going on, everybody? Super fired up today. This is going to be an incredible discussion. Uh, oh, so important discussion for all of us and every single person listening because it literally affects um, whether we have food or not. <laughs> Whether we have viable soil or not, and uh, we're so happy to have our good friend Parker Cohn with us today to the soil surgeon, right? That's what you call yourself? Yeah. Yep, <laughs> I that. love that. I love that nickname. Um, so we are super excited to talk to you and hopefully get some clarification, get some education, get some, you know, hopefully consumer buy-in on what you're, what you're going to talk about today because... Um, if I'm not mistaken, this is uh, quite urgent. It's it's sort of in the catastrophe category. Would you would you say that it's like we got to get our shit together like ASAP now? Let's go. Absolutely. Regarding the drought, regarding agriculture, you know, food security, um, water allocation, energy. I mean, we're we're at a point now that we. It's like sci-fi level reality yeah. where we have, you know, major regions getting serious water cuts. I mean, 24% um, in a East Yuma Valley, Arizona grows 95% of our winter produce. So if you live in the United States and you're buying broccoli, cauliflower, uh, head lettuce, romaine, kale, mm -hmm. leafy greens, it's coming from there. Yeah. So we have this. The salad bowl that's getting, you know, we have a 24% cut. It's actually displacing populations in our agricultural, like one of our biggest productive like a hub. agricultural hubs yeah. Yeah, of our country. Wow. Um, yeah. Scary. And, and we, we talk about water oftentimes when there's water issues as being like a third world country problem. And I'm like, oh, we just got to get people water, you know, the ability to drink water. And... If it's talked about in the U.S., a lot of times it's talked about, especially in the health and wellness space, you know, make sure you get a filter, make sure you're maybe structuring your water, which we've done a lot uh, around structured water, which yeah. is just freaking incredible and fascinating to learn about. Yet there's this water crisis, um, which coincides with a lot of the, you know, farming practices and regenerative farming, which we've uh, also talked about on the medicine. But these terms are sort of loosely thrown out and, and sometimes they get caught in uh the midst of a host of other crises that are taking place. And I think it's important that we actually pull this one out, mm -hmm. really look at it, yeah. uh, educate, bring awareness. There's terms we've all heard, you know, talking again about topsoil. We've all been sort of uh, tuned into this like 50 or 60 year topsoil life that's left. And so hoping today we can just yeah. pop the hood on this thing. 
mm-hmm. um, get on the same page as to what these terms are, you know, what, what potentially is myth and, and what is potentially not getting talked about enough yeah. and uh, get into the weeds on, on inspiring yes. and injecting hope into all of our lives mm-hmm. such that we can uh, start making some improvements. That's a wonderful, one of the wonderful things about podcasts is that it can spread such needed and critical information like with one button and I'm definitely excited to jump into all of that um, much needed information. But, f- but first, but first, <laughs> but first um, we ask every guest on the medicine. What do you love in your life? Parker, what aspect of your life do you love so much that you wish you could gift to every human? So one thing that I absolutely love about my life is, every day when I get out of bed, I know what I'm doing. It's like mission driven, purpose driven. Mm. My, my personal interests and my professional interests kind of build on each other. Like I'm, I've been obsessed with water. Um, you know, water is a leading cause of, of death in the world. Um, and not having access to clean drinking water and we're having these water problems, you know, water quality declining, water availability or drought happening every day I wake up I'm I'm you know chasing my passion and living my living my mission out um, and that's that's really wholesome I wish I could share that with more yeah. people that you know if if you're not if if what you're doing for your work or your life is not aligning with your mission and your values and and the way you want to like be the change you want to see in the world mm-hmm. um, and I feel like I've really been able to embrace that um, and would like to share that with as yeah. many people as, as possible. Preach. That's that so is, good. That is for every guy out there listening. Yeah, especially. Or or just the masculine that the masculine. exists in yeah. every female as that well. Is, that is the balanced, st- structured masculine energy. And, and you obviously embody that very well. Uh, it's, it's uh, you know... What, what guys want to be and, and what the ladies want to be with. So yeah. you're, cr- you're crushing it in that lane as well. Yeah. Uh, and what a, gift, what a too. gift too. Yeah. What a gift, not only for yourself that you like, re- it's like a gift that you're giving and receiving to yourself every day, but then also a gift to the world. Um, and we've been talking about this concept lately of creating the world that you want to be a part of, not waiting for all of these corrupt structures to be torn down by whatever angels and saviors are out there that, don't really exist, by the way. Um, but actually, before they're torn down, actually creating the structures, creating the world, creating the, the water systems and solutions and soil solutions out there um, and creating the world that we know that we want to be a part of. Yeah, every time you think about, you know, reposting or sharing one of these memes that are uh, pretty pretty negative uh there's a lot going around right that that uh brings in this energy that is very low vibration it's okay to criticize and and we can constructively criticize but the next layer would be to be a part of the solution for whatever you are criticizing and uh, that's what i love about what you're doing is that like hey we got problems but i'm not just going to use my platform to talk Mm -hmm. about the problems yeah i'm going to accompany that with solutions yeah so let's jump into it. Let's, um, if you would, I'm sure all the listeners are like, okay, well, who is this guy? What does he actually do? Um, can you just explain um, to everyone listening what you do, what your specialty is, and, and what your actual mission and purpose is that you get up every day so excited to accomplish? Yeah, so um, what I've done is I've, I've kind of figured out a solution, a biological solution. Think of it as like probiotics for your gut, but probiotics for the soil. And I've figured out different 
um, application systems for a variety of different applications, mainly agriculture um, and golf courses is pretty much my two main my two main customers or two main markets that I go after. Um, you know, we think of golf courses as you know wasting water, um, and and so golf courses do use do use a significant amount of water, but there's you know there's there's a public value a a community value to a golf course that that is starting to come up and why I'm so stoked on on having chosen to work with golf courses. You know, we're seeing water treatment plants going in on golf courses. We're seeing um, a really good example is Pasa Tiempo in Santa Cruz. Um, they, they pretty much got water cut in the last drought, 2015. The aerial photos are gnarly. I mean, really bad, just mm-hmm. like tees and greens. And so they, they are like the model of integrating with... Uh, what would be wastewater treatment. So they, they rerouted um, water that was going into the Monterey Bay um, and treat it on site and use that water that was actually going to, that was actually causing environmental harm mm. um, in the Bay and they're using it to recycle it on the golf course. So there's, there's environmental benefit there. And is that, is that just to be clear, is that um, related to obviously the probiotics that you're putting in the soil or is that a completely different system invention, et cetera, that you've brought to these golf courses to be uh, more efficient with their water? So that's a, that's a different, that's a different one, but that's like uh, kind of something I'm latching onto of the sustainability and why, I mean, we're working together right now using my biological system to improve and you know, make their operation more sustainable. Gotcha. Um, okay. And then for farms, you know, where all sorts like uh, pivots, um, flood irrigation, like drip irrigation, cannabis, alfalfa to zucchini, like you name it, um, have been able to, you know, design solutions for farms and varying scales of agriculture operations to help them be more efficient with their fertility, reduce water use substantially, improve uh, nutrient availability in the soil which produces higher quality higher quality crops like um, think alfalfa has has protein value or feed value that if you own a dairy the higher the feed value the more it costs because the less you have to feed your cows because it's full of nutrients Um, the higher quality feed you have the less waste you have Mm -hmm. Um, so you're basically coming in to uh, farms and um, and these golf courses and acting as a a partner really to like uh, not only get the probiotics and the, and the beneficial bacteria and, and, um, microbial life back in the soil, but you're also helping them be more efficient with their water use so that they can use less with more output. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. So the core of my solution is soil health improvement. So our soils have been, and this gets into, uh, which is mentioning you know, topsoil erosion, um, and what's causing that. And, the main cause for that is our conventional agricultural practices like uh, severe physical disruption of the soil doing you know four foot rips of soil not covering it with um with crops not cover cropping um can you explain what cover cropping is let's define a couple terms just to refresh everybody uh topsoil and then like cover crops and then uh, one question to back up too is this is customized right it's like not unlike you would treat individual's own microbiome with a with a unique set of bacteria to you know enable their their gut health to be functioning again this is a customized approach for each one of these customers as well right yeah yeah so to to an extent each program is each program is custom for 
a customer. You know, I go out and I do a site evaluation where I look at the soil, I run some tests, wow. um, and and I put together a formulation and a program that's going to deliver them success, right? And it's success from a, a quality of product, and it's success like economically. Mm-hmm. Like this is something that, and and this is what I hang my hat on is this is something that we're we're going to. This is an economic powerhouse for your operation. I don't I don't care if you're growing grass on a golf course or a park if you're a city or min- municipality or you're growing yeah. potatoes or you're growing hay or you're growing, you know, produce. Um, it's, it's, that's really where the rubber meets the road and, and, and where, you know, we're doing good environmentally. And it's also has solid economic backing um, at the end of the season when we review. <laughs> okay. And then, so topsoil, we've mentioned that a couple of times and, and the importance of healthy soil. Um, can you explain like what that, what, Maybe like the difference between like, because I think people hear soil and they think dirt. So let's start thinking of soil. Like more people are familiar with compost now, right? So compost is, is primarily consists of organic matter that's very broken down. And what's breaking that organic matter down is the biology, the biology and the fungi. Um, in, holler. In holler. Holler <laughs> at some fungi. Yeah. Um, and so topsoil is rich in organic matter. It has a lot of nutrients available. It's kind of... Um, like if you think of the the earthy humus smell of like a good fistful mm. of, of compost oh, or topsoil, yeah. um, it's typically where like the root zone of the plant is and where the plant feeds. Um, you know, that's where it gets all its nutrients and, and the cycling of organic matter by our, you know, um, by our superstar fungi and microorganisms is is the cycle of life, you know, is, is breaking down old organic matter growing new plants um, full of nutrients for us and and uh, for us and our our health yes <laughs> love it okay was there another definition that you wanted to talk about um, I think the, the the next piece of that was was this challenge with the topsoil and that there's this 50 to 60 year lifespan that we've had on on what would be considered like good topsoil left so what exactly does that mean so when we're talking about topsoil erosion, um, we're really talking about, uh, I mean, think of a plow as a knife. Um, and that knife is cutting through all our fungal networks, all our, uh, you know, our biological networks in, in the soil, exposing them to the elements, exposing them to hot air, to wind, um, erosion. If you see, so if you see a perfect example of erosion is if you're driving through farm country and you see a discs getting dragged through a field by a massive tractor and there's this cloud of mm. of dirt you yeah. know that's yeah. blowing away in the wind that's where we're that's that's the epitome of erosion and topsoil mm. death right there kind of looks like what's hovering above LA at all times <laughs> makes for very pretty sunsets <laughs> yeah. but the you know the the health environmental impacts and the impact on our food security and our topsoil like you know just saying like we've got however many years left depending on which which organization you're quoting but it's it's time we do something about that with with tools that we have available mm-hmm. today so that issue is very very real like the 50 to 60 years or harvests left is accurate you would say i think we've had a lot of movement towards regenerative practices and more holistic practices as a result of this becoming more well known by consumers because the power of the consumer the power of your dollar is what's going to support Mm -hmm. this movement like the 
your ability to go to a farmer's market or maybe a couple throughout the week because the you know the food's fresh and it's not um you know the the best way to support this movement is to support your local farmer get to know your farmer Mm. um great reminder yeah, yeah huge um conventional agriculture practices of monocropping um when you when you grow one one stand so think of fields of corn like as far as your eyes can see um that's a monocrop meaning that corn the rhizosphere like the the fungal networks and the the what it depends on the microbes it depends on um in the soil is different from what more of a permaculture regenerative agriculture perspective is which is where we want biodiversity Mm -hmm. um so kind of a combination of conventional agricultural practices uh you know plowing disking flat watering um solarizing i think those are a couple concepts we could go into so so uh a flat water is like when you put water out on a field um to then prep it to make field prep easier um solarizing is a practice that's extremely inefficient with water and this is something that that comes up in conversation a lot i'm explaining what this this is but so you build the borders up around a field um and you flood it for like two or three weeks so you you, in the desert when it's 100 120 degrees you're losing inches a day off Mm -hmm. that so you're constantly you're just you're just evaporating water but the intent of that is to is to suffocate the pathogens in the soil but when you're also when you're when you're having the soil under a foot or two or three of water you're also suffocating beneficial right. bacteria yeah. so it's it's like a agricultural practice that is so ingrained in convention um and i'm trying to figure out where it originated mm. <laughs> but but your their conventional agriculture thinks we're preventing disease by causing you know, uninhabitable environments for these pathogenic mm-hmm. um, bacteria where, you know, if we're, if we're suffocating, <laughs> if we're suffocating the pathogenic bacteria, we're also suffocating beneficial bacteria. Yeah. yeah it's like and systemic antibiotics. Right. Yep. It just wipes out everything, the good and the not so good, or maybe the, the out of balance. Right. It's mm-hmm. like, Oh, okay. Yeah. There's your, and, and, you know, maybe farmers or big ag executives or whoever thinks that like it's beneficial. We do this because we've always done this. It's a very, it's a very similar type of attitude that exists. I think in modern medicine where it's like, well, we, we always just throw antibiotics at it. That's what we always do. That's what I was taught. And, Mm -hmm. um, I think someone like you is so wonderful coming in and saying, no, 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 no. You don't have to do that. So can we talk about a little bit of, you know, um, well, this is one, right? This is just one area. There, there's others that were that are challenging as well. Like, you know, yeah. um, uh, what else is is just so detrimental to the to the soil? These these practices. Mm-hmm. So we talked a little bit about about tilling, deep ripping. It's like putting a knife through the soil. Um, it does. I mean, it is. I'm not saying that we remove that tool from farmers' hands entirely. Like, the amount of produce that we grow depends on on certain amounts of tillage. Um, but like flat watering, um, or, um, flat watering and, and solarization are like two, are, are two, you know, solarizing the, the soil is depleting the, the soil biome, um, of its, um, you know, decreasing populations of beneficial and, you know, kind of (laughs) equally, it's just Mm -hmm. killing, it's killing, um, killing the soil. 
um, other other pesticides, like, right? Like, like they're using pesticides. And yeah, yeah, pesticides. I mean, we could talk about glyphosate a little bit, um, which is kind of a kind of been a hot topic, and it's been in, in mm-hmm. the news a lot. There's another. The next glyphosate is Paraquat, which is right now they're recru- recruiting. Um, they're trying to make a big lawsuit against it, but another similar chemical. But um, like glyphosate, we s- so cotton. Let's talk about cotton for a second. So cotton is super water intensive to grow. Like takes a lot of water to grow cotton. Super inefficient from from a water use perspective. When we go to harvest cotton, we spray it with glyphosate. Why? we do that because we optimize our yield. Like we kill that plant to put its maximum effort into reproduction. So it produces the most cotton. Cause it thinks it's dying, right? It's this last effort of like, no, here, take my seed. I'm dying. It is dying. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. it is. Um, and, and that's, that provides return on investment for farmers and has for decades, yeah. right? Since we had this as a tool, but then, you know, you think now, you know, what are, that was, when we first developed this process or management practice to maximize our cotton yields, like we weren't thinking that, okay, this chemical glyphosate, when we spray it, it, it's, we can detect it in the soil Mm -hmm. for upwards of, you know, right now it seems to be the consensus about 15 years. So what's going in after that cotton? Are you putting in corn after that cotton? That's going to go to the cattle yard, you know, Mm -hmm. that's going to go to feed or are we going to make, you know, processed corn products out of it mm-hmm. you know is that right. so we're are we going to have the trace amounts of glyphosate in in you know in in your bag of chips or in your yeah. you know in your in or in just even in 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 water streams right it's it's, it's water soluble <sighs> correct so it's it's at least what i've heard from other people in this sort of agricultural space is that like zach bush for instance he talks about how glyphosate doesn't break down you're talking saying it's it stays in the soil for 15 years but isn't it also getting absorbed like through the precipitation um cycle of rain it do you have you talked about that at all or do you know anything about that like where it's getting into our water system so i know that with runoff so i can speak to runoff and runoff is like when you when you say you spray a a field with chemicals in the soil so unhealthy it's compacted water just runs off of it it's more like concrete than it Mm. is soil right um then then you're talking about like yes glyphosate is getting into (laughs) into the watershed um that that way um but as far as you know the the chemistry aspect of it i i'm not super strong on the on the chemistry side so um, i just know i've heard from (laughs) so many different people that it's like it's everywhere it's in our air it's in our water it's in our food and and even if uh, organic farm is practicing with organic pra- practices, um, using organic practices that there is a, a potential that even they could have this contamination because it's so prevalent everywhere. Well, here's a good example of that. So if I have a conventional farm and I want to be organic certified, I have to start using organic products and practices for, th- for three years. Yeah. It's a three year process, right? So if glyphosate stays in the soil for 15 years, yeah, it could be in your organic yeah. yep. produce, in your organic food for, you know, however many mm-hmm. years. And, and if we spray, so say we have cotton, there's three crops a year typically in, in this region in the Southwest. So say we, say we spray it, say we spray it on, on cotton to harvest and then we spray it on corn because it's resistant. We've developed, you know, genetically modified corn that can handle, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's resistant. 
Um, so now we've just doubled our load that's in, in one season in one year. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to see all the downstream effects of it, but it's just, we know that <laughs> we know that that's, that's yeah. a problem and that's yeah. an issue. And these, these chemicals do harm the, the biology of mm-hmm. the soil and, and essentially turn soil into dirt. You can think of it. Yeah. Yeah. And like harming that. the biology of humans too, mm-hmm. in, right. a, in essence, if it's killing the, the microbes in the soil, we are what, 20 times more bacteria and fungi and viruses than we are um, human cells, right? Is it something like that? So it's it's coming into our body and it's it's actually um, classified as an antibiotic. Right. So it's we're ingesting this antibiotic if you're if you're not super careful about it. It's doing over to us and what over it's been and doing over to and the over. Soil. And I, I, I do want to um, just touch on, talk about, um, give you space here to, you know, we're talking about glyphosate and these pesticides and chemicals, just environmental (sighs) shitty things (laughs) affecting humans. And you have direct uh, experience with this through Trevor's Trek. Is that correct? Yeah, Trevor's Trek Foundation. So I would love to um, talk about that just a little bit because this is where we see the environmental practices actually affecting, proven to affect human health and through your your involvement um, with Trevor's Trek. Can you explain just w- what it is and how you're involved? Okay, so Trevor's Trek is a foundation that was formed to identify uh, cancer clusters. We're actually on kind of the the cutting edge, the front edge of defining what a cancer cluster is. Um, And then, so we identify a cancer cluster. We do an environmental study. We identify what caused that cancer, what in that environment caused the cancer. Um, And then we, you know, create steps or a plan to remediate the environment to reduce that, that load, that load on the population that cancer load gotcha. um, to, to clean up the health. And so, yeah, my friend, my friend Trevor um, grew up in, in a mining town in Idaho. And um, there were, there were a number of, of kids who got the same brain cancer as him um, in one year. And um, they looked, they looked into it. They tested the water. They found heavy metals in the water that was related and linked to this cancer. Um, and then Trevor's Trek was kind of formed. Um, they worked on it for, I think it was nine years to get, a law passed, which is Trevor's law. Uh, President Barack Obama signed it in 2016, wow. which puts, which 2016 was a transition year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which put the which put the weight on the EPA to enforce Trevor's law. Mm. Which, you know, come 2017, the EPA was gutted, yeah. <laughs> and Trevor's law was not in not enforced by the EPA. And what exactly, when you say Trevor's law, can you um, speak to what exactly would have been law had it stayed on that track? Okay. So, so the EPA and, and um, our, our current, a current leader on our, our campaign, his campaign trail, you know, p- promised that we were going to see money from the EPA. Um, originally it was supposed to earmark $2 million for us per year to go identify cancer clusters, remediate them and build, you know, build impact on communities around the country. Um, you know, this last cycle, um, I think it was 20, 2019 when we saw him, it was like, probably not 2 million, but 1.8. Like we were, we were supposed to have this money allocated to our cause, um, you know, through the government, through the federal funded, through the federal government to carry out our mission, which is to <laughs> reduce 
childhood cancer rates across the country. I mean, that's who can't get behind that. Right. Yes. And so, so we've had the, the law was, I mean, Trevor, you know, having to relive and tell his story over and over and over, like (laughs) and testify in Congress, like for this law Mm -hmm. and to see it not enacted, we've, we've kept the ball rolling and we restructured the board and we're doing like uh, crowdfunding to fund these studies. Um, we've got one going on right now. We could, maybe we could post a link to that yeah, later, absolutely. But, but we're kind of taking it into our own hands and hiring our own experts and, and kind of going, we're not, we're not waiting. There's no time to wait anymore. It's kind of like this climate change yeah. and our food security and water. Like we got to act now mm-hmm. um, in yeah. order to, to create a, a better yeah. future. Yeah. And so let's get into that a little bit. Maybe, you know, some of these things that uh, you're seeing at, uh, in your work, you're seeing it through, you know, the foundation, uh, there are opportunities for change. Mm-hmm. And um, what are some of the things that, that we can bring awareness to that are like literally inside our homes, in our communities that should one be a, a red flag, an alert, and then into the action that we can start taking to make this a little bit better. Awesome. So first off, we've got populations getting displaced by a drought. We've got water cuts that people are selling their land and they're moving. And are these consumers? Are these uh, farmers? Are Who's moving? Is it is it people who are using, have to use a lot of water and now they can't? It's so where I see it, I see it on, I see it on big, big scale agriculture. Okay. You know, I see it on thousands of acres. I see thousands of acres going up for sale. Hey beauty, I'm interrupting this podcast to talk to you about one of my biggest passions in the world. That is how each one of us can create healthy, deep, passionate partnership. How to take your relationship from mediocre to magical. Most of us just weren't given the right tools, but my love, I'm here to tell you it's possible. If Chase and I can transform a dead, divorced marriage into something beautiful and fulfilling, anyone can, including you. I'm so excited to tell you that coming in February is my Deep Love Live experience. This is an eight-week transformational course that will shake off the stagnation in your relationship, deliver new tools for healthy communication, and develop passionate partnership that makes your heart swell and your knees weak. Basically, I built the course that I myself needed years ago that would have brought the spark back and completely transformed my marriage. If you're ready to experience the magic of deep love with me, then snag your spot on my wait list. From here, you'll have the opportunity to receive the early bird pricing in February. Just check the show notes for the direct link or my link tree on Instagram at Mimi underscore the medicine. I'm going deep and I'd love for you to join me. Cheers, boo. Right. Mm. Um, so what we can do like that, that threatens our, our whole water security in the Southwest. Right. And right. what, what we do or what I do, or <laughs> we do, we do, it's kind of to go from serious to fun. We, uh, we like, we share a flush. So if we like, <laughs> yeah, if we pee, it's like yellow, let yeah. it settle. Yeah. We yellow, let it, what did you mellow, say? Yeah. Let it mellow. Yeah. Mellow. Let it settle. We can share a flush, which, you know, if you share every flush you share that you're using half the water to flush toilets. Um, I don't think people realize how much water it actually takes to, for one flush. Isn't it like three gallons? I think our toilets like one six, but 
We've you got. probably have an efficient one. I know the <laughs> older ones. Yeah. Uh, I know this from your dad who has installed one million of them um, <laughs> uh, or his, his company yeah, he's has. Not, he's not a plumber. But. No, he's not. <laughs> but no, he knows about it. And so uh, I remember when he told me, because we were up, up, up at the lake cabin and he was like, yeah, you know, um, it takes about two to three gallons per flush. I could be, maybe it's two. I can't remember. But I remember being like, what? I thought it was like a cup. You know, and, and anyways, just crazy. So what you're saying is to save water because we are in a mega drought, we can share flushes with the people in our home, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we can do that. We can, when I take a shower. So another thing that we did before the shower, we got a hot water recirculation pump that we put on, I put on the water heater. So instead of waiting, turning the tap on and waiting for the water to heat up, like across our house, it's. It, it was taking, I don't know, five minutes, six minutes of water going at, I don't know, gallon or two a minute mm. to heat up. So we're losing 10, five to 10 gallons there. Um, so what the water recirculation pump does is it, it we've got to set up on a timer around times we shower and use hot water, but it circulates the hot water throughout the house. So when you turn the water on, it's just a matter of a few seconds that you've mm. got. It's only clearing the... <laughs> it's only clearing a few feet of, of, of pipe rather than, you know, hundreds. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's a solution that's, um, and that's something that, a uh, uh, non handyman could <laughs> install or is it, is it take a certain level of knowledge? I think it takes, it takes a certain, uh, level of plumbing knowledge. Okay. Um, it's very simple. I mean, there's YouTubes that, yeah. that you can do okay. it or, and I'm, I'm sure I just want people to be prepared when they're like, Oh, I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll do that. Yeah. Also be prepared if you might need so- to hire someone to come do it and not wreck your whole house. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, it will pay for itself in time. Um, and so another thing that we do or I do is all when I shower, I'll like turn the shower. I've got my shower structured. So like when I get in the shower, like I'll, I'll get, I'll rinse off, turn the water off, you know, wash my hair, wash my face, turn the ha- water oh, back on. Oh, yeah, that's good. And so the amount of water that I use, and it's just like an estimation, is probably like 20% of the water mm. normally. I mean, I don't even think I use five gallons when I take a shower um, by doing that. And it's not, it's not much to, you know, if I shower every day and I'm saving 15, it's to call it 20. If I shower every day and I'm saving 20 gallons of water, that's 140 gallons a week. That's like 500 gallons a month, which, you know, times was over 5,000 gallons a year. Yeah. So that's That's a lot of water. So so maybe educate us a little bit on, on if we don't start taking some action and not to be doom and gloom, but where is this headed? What does that mean for all of us who critically need water and food and food? What does that mean? And how does this hit home specifically if, if we don't start making some changes? So we're, we don't start making changes. It's going to happen even if we do make changes. We're going to be using reuse water for more things, right? So if we're familiar with purple pipe or minimally treated water, um, we mentioned the water treatment plant on the golf course. They're not making potable, drinkable water there, right? They're minimally treating it to the county water regulations to then use it on property. Like there's signs that say, don't drink the water, Yeah. but we're going to have to start using these recycled water sources, um, more for frequently like washing our hair for other things, a lot of other things, or yeah, it's kind of scary to think about what we could potentially be using all of that water 
for um yeah not yeah. good yeah so that and think of you know here we've just got like at our house we just got potable water so there's not we don't have a reclaim line some neighborhoods have reclaim lines in that are used for like lawns gardens um stuff like that and then the potable goes to the house but what's potable potable is drinkable oh okay so drinkable water like city water what's coming out of your tap be considered potable okay um in quotes in quotes, <laughs> quotes. yeah right. but there's also i mean you guys are going to see it in your backyard literally because a few blocks from here there's a water treatment plant going in just on Coronado right next to the golf course. And okay. So remind us what's happening at this water treatment plan is that that's a good thing, right? It's a good thing. Okay. Yes. So we're taking like, we're taking runoff. We're taking like runoff. Think of it as gray water. Um, and I'm not familiar with all the specs on this one. Some are sewage treatment plants. You know, there's, there's one in Northern California. Um, they have a sewage treatment plant on site at this golf course. Um, huge environmental good right mm -hmm. <laughs> um but we we treat the water um so we can reuse it like on site so instead of all that water running in the ocean we're mm -hmm. going to treat it and reuse it it may okay. not be it may not be drinking level quality which i expect this project probably isn't um but but we're recycling water and essentially using it twice so it's kind of like it's kind of like sharing a flush it's kind of like if you mm. <laughs> if you use the, if you only press the lever every two times you use the the toilet then the lever's probably mm -hmm. gonna last yeah. twice as long as well as use half the water um now are these insights that you're giving uh, some of your clients as well and i'm curious as as when you step in and you start you know running diagnostics on um whether it be the golf course or or the farm what's typically the pain points and then the feedback given once you're able to implement some of these practices once you're able to bring in awareness Okay, so some pain points that I that I experience in, in going through the process um, is there's typically a bureaucracy. There's typically a pecking order, and there's typically ingrained vendors and ways of doing things in these cities, municipalities, big farms, right? Um, there are there are there are certain you know, and the and the people that we're dealing with that are making the management decisions are typically you know, older, they're typically like in their sixties, like close to retiring. So we have, we have a, there's a big change that's happening right now that I've seen, that I've seen over, over the last couple of years. Um, it's typically really difficult to get past agronomists or guys that are trained in soil science. You know, they're, they're, they're either regional or they're city or they're, um, for a, for a high end, <laughs> a high end club or farm. Um, they have their own agronomists on staff and they, they are trained in soil science, crop production, um, they, they are experts, right? And so when I bring a new concept or I bring a new technology and a new system that is literally orders of magnitude bigger than they've ever seen before. Mm. Um, and, and we're talking about biological management, not physical management or chemical management. So it's a new tool and a new part of science that they're completely unfamiliar with. So so when I come in and I say getting to the results, right? And there's resistance when I say, you know, there's, when I say I'm going to save you a million dollars of water this year. And you're like a younger guy yeah. and they're probably thinking, what do you know? You, how long have you been in this business? I've been in this business for 40 years or whatever. Like, do you get those responses? Like, what are the typical responses that you get? Oh, oh yeah, for sure. It's like, you know, I, I see 
you got to understand, I see three of you a week coming oh. in here, selling me mm. the next, the next, the next snake oil, the yeah. next, sure. you know, bugs in a jug. That's a good one. Um, <laughs> bugs in a jug. Bugs in a jug. But, uh, you know, and I've, I've changed, I've, I've made the business in this, I've responded to that by making it a service. And so in my contracts, like I will have like performance based contracts, meaning if I don't mm. save you this water, if I don't achieve these results, results or these achievements, if I don't, you don't have to pay me. Like I will, I will, wow. I will pay you back. Cause wow. I'm so confident in it. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's Cause like, you've seen it. You've seen it so many times at this point. I've done this over and over again. And 10 years ago I worked with the city of Tucson and this is, I, this is my, this is my, this is what really convinced me to pursue my passion and to change, you know, to build this business is we saved $518,000 of water for the wow. city of Tucson in one year. Wow. In one year. That was on top of that. They made their first profit in, Wow. History of $730,000. Yeah. That's such a, such wow. a material impact to, you know, business and, and being able to speak to money is so huge and, and probably is able to Trojan horse you into, yeah. into a lot of um, conversations and spaces where you're able to have impact. I encourage everybody listening, um, check out the performance resource management website because the results completely speak for themselves. Yeah. Uh, the pictures of before and afters and in, in really short, pretty short windows of time considering um you know the the challenges at stake uh really incredible some of the befores and afters and this is crops this is golf courses um do you see it in uh you know any of your own landscaping or in like <laughs> in like your friends yards or anything are you doing any of that kind of work oh yeah i mean if you stick uh if you if you stick a shovel in our yard and turn it over it's like it's like <laughs> like rainforest soil there's like worms and <laughs> oh, like wow. bugs and it's just like a it's its own ecosystem in the lawn and kind of the kind of have a reputation on the in the neighborhood as being the 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 lawn guy or the yeah. soil guy <laughs> or the bug, you know um so so i have a so when we first met you which um i can't remember when it exactly it was probably a year lifetimes ago or ago. something i don't know yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> many lifetimes ago um you explained all this to us and we're like, wow, this is so cool. And, you know, we had had, you know, people on talking about regenerative agriculture and how important it was. So we were immediately, you know, interested. But at that point, you had expressed some difficulty or challenges because you're just one person and you're, you're driving and traveling and going to all these different farms and golf courses all over the place how is that going? Because I, I, I remember you being like, I, I, I need to hire some people, but how is that? What, what, give us a status update. Oh man, I'm still doing like 40,000 miles a year driving. Um, I'm, I'm actively looking for help right now. Um, I'm looking for an integrator operator with experience in building businesses, um, regional logistics. Um, and I'm also looking for a VA to try to mm. try to help mm -hmm. me out. So Network, yeah. if you're listening, yeah, yeah. if you're listening, <laughs> you and said want to integrator, save the integrator operator. I thought yeah. at first that was like a human design yeah. uh, criteria, <laughs> <laughs> like a COO yeah. kind of, where it's like yeah. I know your vision, I have the vision down. I'm not the one producing the vision, but I can execute and take take orders, take like okay, I can have take an idea and run with it. Um, 
if maybe someone is listening and they maybe know someone or they're interested in this or, or, um, you know, you have a mechanical engineering background, right? Yeah. So it's not like you were brought up and taught how to do all this. You figured it out. He saw a problem and he went to work figuring it out, which that's a really important trait to have in life, not only as an entrepreneur, but you know, (laughs) in just progressing as humans. So if someone's listening right now, what maybe um, backgrounds or interests or or would be um, preferable or advantageous while you're looking for help? I'm, I'm trying to like throw some ideas out here for anyone that's listening that's like, this is so important. I, I could get involved. I could help him in some way. Yeah. So, so what I've done is I've created a like proof of concept in a variety of different markets. And right now I'm really commercializing agriculture and golf. Um, so what I need to shift my focus to is like going to these food safety meetings is going to, you know, air resource board meetings, going to water district meetings, um, and, and really educating, (laughs) educating, um, kind of industries about, about this. And I need to be at the forefront of that. So what I'm really looking for is somebody who can come in, take systems and procedures and execute like on a regional basis. So there's a number of ways in this day and age that we can, we can use technology to our advantage and have, have regional people, maybe part-time, but, but organize, uh, organize a, a team, uh, a regional team, Western United States team, um, to essentially handle, handle the business. Um, so I can focus on educating the industries that, you know, control the moving levers. Yeah. 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 You know, we talked a a little bit about what we can do from a water perspective individually Mm -hmm. in our homes and our communities. Um, when it comes to our yards and, uh, looking out just out of our windows in our neighborhoods, what are some potential practices that are in place that could be detrimental to this, uh, future, what are some things that we could be doing to prevent this inevitable, uh, hopefully not inevitable, um, future that we're looking at and, and maybe debunk a little, a few myths. I think one of those could potentially be turf. We see turf all the time and, and I kind of love it cause I have a, a grass allergy. Uh, <laughs> but I think as we've talked, you know, uh, off air a little bit, there are some, uh, tough things to really look at when it comes to turf. So maybe, maybe a little bit about like what we can do in our yards, talking about soil, talking about grass, uh, potentially turf. Okay. So I think the most important concept when you're thinking about what can I do to be more efficient with water in my yard or in my house or is to think of what are the unforeseen consequences that I'm not considering right now. Mm. So one of the big pushes in, in California is turf reduction. You'll get, two bucks per square foot. I looked up our address. We can get $2 per square foot to pay for AstroTurf to be put in, Mm. you know, like the fake grass. Um, Now we, now we, so we're subsidizing this program. Wow. Yet, you know, from my work with Trevor's Trek, we've, we've partnered with an organization called uh, uh, VOC. They have a product VOC Pro Shield, which is volatile organic compound shield. So the crumb rubber that's used in those artificial turf is essentially ground up rubber and that rubber emits volatile organic compounds that are known to cause health issues. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at, and we're seeing like leukemia is, is an, is a, is like an indicator like that, that 
is an indicator for like we've seen on artificial surfaces, we've seen leukemia kind of spike. And so what the crumb rubber is doing is it's off gassing volatile organic compounds that our kids are breathing in deeply, heavily mm. soccer fields, yeah. football fields, yeah. right? It's getting deep into their, into their lungs, into their system. Um, and what this company does is, um, is they coat the crumb rubber, they treat it with like this, think of it as like a ceramic. Um, and they re it reduces the off-gassing of mm. the volatile organic compounds. But now we've have, we have this artificial turf everywhere. Like yeah. this technology is only really applicable to put installing a new one. So we're going to rip the, all those old ones out, install a new one. That's just kind of an unforeseen consequence. And like, they're doing this to save water, right? They're putting in yes. turf to save water for watering, whatever. Yeah. But what may, maybe they don't know is that there are still more implications for health where they could be causing leukemia for the children that are playing on the soccer field now. So it's like it's trading one evil for another. Yep, yep. Like we're we're saving water, but we're increasing childhood cancer. Yeah. Like, man, is that, and how much water are we really saving? Is the water that we're saving worth one child, right. one right. family, right. you know, going through, yeah. going through that? Cancer treatment is, is it's, no, it's no walk in the park, especially in your family. And right. you know this intimately because can you speak to your little brother yeah so my little brother um justin he he had he was diagnosed with wilms tumor when he was four years old he looked lopsided like mm. standing in the hallway um and he just peed blood and mm. and so my my mom bless her went to the hospital and immediately and would not leave they were trying to get her to leave because <laughs> um, they they were like he's fine it's just a infection or whatever and, uh, and so she would not leave. She spent like eight hours there until she got a diagnosis. Wow. Um, and so, um, my brother was four. It was like, it was, it got really grim. He got stage two Wilms tumor. It's a kidney tumor. Um, and he actually got pulled off of chemo for us to go on a make-a-wish trip. And so we thought that was going to be like our last, mm. our last time with, with Justin. And, um, fortunately when we got back, we went we went back on the, he went back on treatment on chemo and, and made a miraculous recovery. Wow. wow. Um, and he's, he's with us today and he's, he's uh, happy and healthy, but not, not a situation I want anybody, yeah. you know, it's near and dear to my heart. Like mm -hmm. I know what it's like to have a little brother with cancer. I was 11. He was like four. Yeah. It was probably yeah. scary. I mean, you're still 11 is pretty little. That's probably really 11. scary. Can you, um, I, I know this is a, uh, a little off topic, but still related. Um, I just thought this was so interesting that Trevor from this Trevor's Trek organization, can you um, speak to his mom knew a little bit about your life and story without even you even telling her uh, anything about your life? Can you can you explain what that, what that was? Yeah. So the day I met Trevor, um, the day I met Trevor, his his mom asked, you know, I didn't really know about cancer clusters and, um, and we met at this, uh, at this fundraiser and, um, Trevor's mom, she asked if I knew about cancer clusters of the law. And I was like, I read about the law online, but I'm unfamiliar with clusters. Could you give me an example? And she's like, uh, I bet you could tell me what cancer your brother had. I could tell you where you lived, like where you grew up. And you're probably like, and I'm like, whatever bullshit. No, yeah. <laughs> no way. You're crazy. Um, and then I was like, he had Wilms tumor stage two. And she, she like pinpointed my street. 
Wow. Wow. Like. That's nuts. Across from the, the middle school behind the Albertsons. Like that. And this was because? Because like four houses down, somebody had just been diagnosed with stage four Wilms tumor, which Wilms tumor, somebody's going to look me up. <laughs> look this up but i think it's four in a million your chances of wow. having oh my tumor are four in a million so what are your odds of having that on the same street where yeah. there's 10 houses on yeah. that street and so know? she had just done a shit ton of investigation because her son had gone through this and she was investigating these mm-hmm. cancer clusters of kids that had similar or the same diagnoses in a very um relatively uh, small radius of mm-hmm. of space or whatever of location so she had done so much work that she knew like location by location where these clusters were yeah she i mean she was highly involved in in defining what cancer clusters are right she was she was driving that that cart right um she was pushing that forward Mm. Um, and so she's really, she's a huge resource to, to people who, whose kids get diagnosed with cancer, um, in, in, in the area. And Aaron Brockovich also helped out with Trevor's law. Shout Mm -hmm. out to Aaron. Um, um, so she's, she is it. And Charlie, uh, Trevor's mom kind of orchestrated, orchestrated all that and really, really drove, really drove Trevor's law from a, from a concept or an idea to a actual signed well, I hope that that can get reintroduced and, and that you guys can get the funding that you need because that's, I mean, so critically important. And um, like you said, not even one child's life is, is worth, you know, the potential water that could be saved. But yeah, well, and we well, I, th- I definitely think, you know, one of the themes of this conversation uh, <coughs> would be there are actions that are taken, even if the intent is not to harm, that can potentially harm. This is a complex world and a complex yeah. system that we're living in. And you make one tweak, you especially if that tweak is a is a hack mm-hmm. or it's a shortcut uh, to stimulate shorter term results. Mm-hmm. Man, uh, I'm going to challenge you to show me where that doesn't lead to a potential downstream issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's pervasive across your your own body, your own health. It's definitely evident so in nature, um, and it's one of those things we talk about it often as above so below as within so without so many of these things even if we don't understand the the technical elements of what agriculture includes and farming there's this layer of what what should be sort of innate within all of us that man if i'm going to shortcut something if i'm going to stimulate something for an immediate result you know i'm thinking of like caffeine and coffee what it does to your adrenal glands and it stimulates cortisol which is nice in a short little period of time it gives you that buzz that stress energy but that will, over long term, deteriorate your ability to produce hormones. Yeah. And so not unlike what we do in our body with these types mm-hmm. of things, as without or as outward into the soil, yeah. into land, in these things that, that are what, what would seem to be shortcuts or, or assistance in the short term, have these downstream flooding that we're going to have to pick up the pieces yeah. for. Hey homie, want to hear a menstrual cycle mind blower? Did you know that you are not actually supposed to feel miserable on your period? What? Yes, just because this is common doesn't mean it's normal. I didn't even know this until like a year ago. But all the common cycle symptoms that we hear about, bloating, headaches, 
cravings, cramps. These are all signals from your body that she is in need of something. One of the ways I now support my body's needs all month long is by sipping some Organifi Harmony four to five times a week. Harmony is a deliciously rich cacao superfood blend created by women for women. It contains hormone balancing and nourishing super ingredients like chaste tree, shatavari, maca, stinging nettle, and more. About midday, I just blend one hefty scoop of Harmony with hot water and a splash of my favorite milk, gifting my body these powerful superfoods and adaptogens that have been used for centuries to support my inner balance and bliss so I can feel my best all month long. To grab your Harmony, just check the show notes below or go to OrganifiShop.com and use the code MIMIFIT, that's M-I-M-I-F-I-T, to receive 20% off all of your orders. All right, enjoy my babes. It's like insulin. It's like giving right. insulin mm-hmm. to a diabetic. It's like, it's going to fix your problem in the short term. We're going to flood your body with insulin and we think that we're helping you, but in the long term, we're actually hurting you. Yeah. And that's, I feel like, I mean, we talk about this all the time, as Chase just said, as above, so below, as within, so without. I feel like we're, we're seeing this concept of not identifying the root cause and addressing the root cause, really peeling back the layers of our own health Anyone listening to this that has gone through their own health journey, if you're just putting band-aids on, if you're just looking externally, you're going to be dealing with that issue for a long time. And, you know, certainly it's something that we talk about on the medicine all the time. And and it's really the approach that we try to take just in life in general. So we're seeing this concept of the need for root cause medicine, really, on this global scale of our earth where we're slapping on tilling and disking and solarizing. And I hope I'm getting all these terms right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we're, 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 we're doing patchwork when we really need to get to the root cause. And I'm curious from you, as you look, you're looking at the whole, the, the broad picture, the whole picture. What do you think is this, the, the root cause or causes that is, is really at the, the heart of these issues that we're seeing. Yeah, magic wand today. What do yeah. you ch- what do you change? Okay, magic wand today. How we got here was agricultural subsidies in World War II. Like mm-hmm. it was the Allied powers versus the Axis powers. We entered late and we brought the the power of the US economy to provide nutrition to the Allied powers. I mean, we our food production we came you know, synthetic fertilizers, um, big scale agricultural practices. You know, we, we subsidized a lot of that. We mm. subsidized a lot of corn. We subsidized a lot of um, subs- corn, soy, um, cotton, right? For So we, that program back in the 40s was so effective. It put us at the top of, of the world. We, were, we, we, <laughs> that, the, the war movement and our ability to outproduce the world won the war. Wow. Now these subsidies continue to exist. These subsidies for corn, these subsidies for soy, subsidies for cotton. Like damn. So they exist today and they've only grown and they've been relatively unchecked. Um, I was just looking up last last week, I looked up the last twenty five years, um, 
California has received $8.4 billion in, in subsidies. Um, so, and we're not starving. We don't need these subsidies. No. Subsidies is what you're saying. <laughs> no. Like we, they were created to help with hunger, starvation in the wartime. But mm-hmm. I mean, look around on this, on the street, like I'm being blunt, but like people aren't starving. We might be starving mm-hmm. of nutrients yeah. and, you know, nutrient dense food, but we're not starving. And what they're subsidizing is corn <laughs> made from just crap that is not nutritionally dense Mm -hmm. that is then being put into packages that people are buying Mm -hmm. and so okay what's what's funny is we've talked about you know some of the challenges with corn gmo corn what Mm -hmm. it's done to you know human health what it's done to our uh, livestock we've talked about um some of the uh in the past on the medicine some of the estrogens that are you know synthetic that that come out of some of this productions soy especially mm-hmm. at times is, is is causing all these hormonal imbalances however what we haven't talked about is the water part of all of this and this is what we're kind of unearthing today is that there's this huge toll on water yeah so what else what other root causes so you you mentioned um the uh subsidies and we, we kind of uh we kind of interrupted but please continue so that's how we got here right and in, in, in 1940 1950 that was not that was not a bad thing that was a really good thing that was yeah. that was a really good thing and it was extremely effective. But now the Axis powers are not the enemy. The enemy is climate change. The yeah. enemy is greenhouse gases. The enemy is, you know, these practices that are deteriorating our topsoil, that are reducing the nutrient value of our of our of our crops, right? Um, our our micronutrient the micronutrient content of our food is not what it used to be um, as a result of these conventional practices and deterioration of our topsoil, which, you know, for, for me, when I'm talking to, to like a customer, I say is that the biological health of the soil has not been cured for, has not been tended. Like we have not, we have not been providing, uh, we have not been supporting the biome or are you think of your gut health, right? Your gut mm. health gets, gets out of, out of whack and you wait 20, 30 years. It's a hell of a lot harder yeah. to get it back to back in. And we're, we're now, what are we? 70 years, 80 years. Now we're 80 years. We're 80 years in. Here's the common enemy, right? Now, what should we, what should we say? I think the subsidies are huge. I think carbon farming needs to be at the forefront of conversations with California air resource board, with departments of agriculture. Um, I think agriculture is, is, is the solution is the way out. Um, you know, shout out to, to food fix, Dr. Mark Hyman, mm. great book, great book goes into depth about this. Um, uh, kiss the ground, mm-hmm. tremendous documentary about exactly what I do. Yes. <laughs> Essentially it's like they dive into all these different aspects, but that's the thing that relates the most. But I mean, if we were to, if we were to revisit the way that we, that we subsidize and organize our agricultural system against, you know, climate change against, um, nutrient deficiencies, you know, against topsoil erosion, you know, subsidized cover cropping, which is essentially, um, cover cropping is used to cover the soil, re like put more organic matter back in the soil that every time we grow a crop, we, we decrease the organic matter or mine it essentially. Um, and we, we cover that field. So the, the soil is covered and isn't exposed to, you know, the sun, the wind erosion. Mm. Um, and, and is the, it sort of resting it's or well, regenerating? Think of regenerating or okay. rejuvenating. Like we can plant like 
Sudan or alfalfa, which actually fixes nitrogen and puts nitrogen back into the ground, like as a cover crop, right? And then we, so say we do a summer of alfalfa or uh, Sudan, like a grass that fixes nitrogen or uh, legumes um, are great for fixing nitrogen as well. Um, and then in, in the produce season, we're not spending as much money on nitrogen because we're just using nature's natural cycle. We're using biology that exists that its job is to fix nitrogen mm. mm-hmm. is to put <laughs> nitrogen back in the soil um that's a and and when that's not done it's it's doing environmental harm the the topsoil is is dying it's exposed to sun at 120 degrees every day and you know it's uh wind and rain and runoff and um the soil biome suffers from that so i think there's a number of things that we can we can subsidize um, to change you know to use a system that we know has worked. It, it worked in one of the most difficult times in human history. You know, talking yeah. about World War II era, um, and if we were to use that tool and just reframe it mm-hmm. to to modernize it, um, we invest in technology that that provides return on investment. Um, that you know we can measure the impact. Um, we, we, I, you know, I get up out of every, every day I start my day believing that we can, this is a problem we can solve. <laughs> so. Yeah. I it, love it. It's eye opening, but this is encouraging too. Yeah. And, and it's, it's getting in it and getting educated and taking action, which is, is so appreciated knowing what you know. I'm really curious, you know, from a lifestyle perspective, how do you shop? How, uh, you know, what are some of the things that you're doing? You mentioned how you shower, um, what are some other pieces that because of everything that you've been able to learn that you're taking into your daily life that we can start copying? <laughs> <laughs> so human design has been huge mm. with like impact in my life. Like I'm my digestive type. I'm not an expert in human design, but I eat when the sun is up. And if I eat when the sun is up, like I, I, I feel good the next day. If I eat, if I wait to eat until like nine o'clock in the summer, like when the sun's down, like I wake up with like a brutal hangover. Mm. That's been huge. Um, we, we buy, you know, we, the majority of my diet consists of like fresh fruits and vegetables, you know, like think outside, uh, aisles, aisles, like not the central, but the outside aisles. I eat a lot of, you know, when I'm, I drive a lot and travel a lot and majority of like, when I need energy, I eat an apple. Like an apple's great for energy. Yeah. Just like, it's like a two to three hour boost for me. When Isn't that I, wild? When like I need it. Pe- people will, you know, slam coffee or yeah. uh, look for an energy drink and an apple, oddly enough, is so much energy. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. So when I'm, when I'm working out and on the farms, I, I like to get some fresh cauliflower. Some of my farmers okay. will give me fresh cauliflower, like straight out the field. And, uh, and so I'll, I'll cut it up and, and, uh, and roast the cauliflower, but then the leaves, there's a tremendous amount of leaves on cauliflower. Like you would not believe it if you saw a field of cauliflower, like, whoa, it's like, interesting. There's, it's insane how many leaves are on cauliflower. Um, this is a good, a good topic to kind of bring up is conventional farming. There's, there's a lot of good that's there, right? Such as restoring organic matter in the soil by, you know, collard greens are not nearly as valuable as cauliflower. So, um, by tilling those back into the ground, um, breaking that down, kind of re, regenerates the organic matter in the soil but but there's 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 this everybody's like well is it organic certified or or is it not like um 
in Fallbrook, there's a ton of avocado trees. Like Fallbrook is avocado trees mm -hmm. um, just north of us here. Yeah, up at Paul Chuck's house. It's yeah. incredible. <laughs> yeah, so um, one thing that I, I have a have a, a colleague up there who farms um, like 22 acres of avocados, and I was asking him, why why aren't you organic certified for your avocados? And then he used an example of my, you know, my neighbor over there. They're organic certified, and they put down like 2,000 pounds of chicken manure per acre and then we had a big rain and and these avocado trees are on really steep mountainous terrain mm. like it's it's you got to be really careful when you're kind of navigating uh, <laughs> avocado mm. orchard um but all that manure ran off you know which is causing algal blooms like wow. down downstream so that's an organic practice that that isn't environmentally sustainable right and so what he does is he uses like a synthetic form of nitrogen like un32 it's very cheap it was developed like it helped. It was one of those chemicals that helped us, um, when in the forties, you Got know, it. um, but he like only delivers what the tree needs to the tree, to the root zone. So he's not having any like environmental impact, uh, with the practices that he uses, like some of the organic practices. Yes. So that still have consequences. Yeah. So he uses a synthetic fertilizer in a very responsible way. That's actually more responsible than your, uh, m like then your organic practices next door. Mm. Like he's having a better, his environmental footprint is much, much better than, mm. so I think there's a need for like a hybrid type yeah. of, a hybrid type of certification where it's like, we're looking at the big picture. We're looking at the community value. We're looking at the nutrition value of the product. We're looking at the environmental value mm -hmm. or the, the anti detriment of your practices to get to a certification. Um, we don't really have that right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that yeah. would be something that's beneficial. So I don't, you know, we, we, there's a lot of doom and gloom around pesticides and herbicides and conventional farming and tilling and, and everything. And I, I really want to, I really, you know, a message is, is it's not judging yesterday's decisions on today's knowledge is, is not, is not something I like to do. Like, like let's, let's, let's learn from the past and make changes that benefit mm -hmm. the future. Yeah. And, and in the same way that we often talk about in the health space, let's not demonize modern medicine. Let's learn to optimize some yeah. of the things that have been around for a really long time with modern technology. And I mean, that's going to get us to wherever we're going. Yeah. And I think that's the same here is, is definitely what I'm hearing is there are some practices and leaning into, you know, the earth's natural ability to be able to heal itself, to recycle mm -hmm. itself, all while building in technologies and, and uh, these modalities for optimizing that process without creating a byproduct that is going to be so detrimental. Yeah. I think the approach though, for everyone involved is, um, you know, contrary to the guy that's saying, I see three of you a week, buddy, or whatever. Um, oh yeah. Bugs and jugs, right? Like he has no curiosity, right? Like his curiosity probably mixed in with a little ego, <laughs> uh, bruise, right? Um, you know, we don't, it, it's hard. It's, it's not always easy to say, oh, I don't know that, or I haven't figured that out yet, or I'm not good at that, or um, you might know, you might be able to teach me something and you're 20 years younger than me. Like, it takes all of us to be able to say, whether we're talking about our own health or we're talking about the health of pl the planet, to be like, okay, maybe we don't know it all and we clearly haven't gotten it all figured out. Let's take this approach of curiosity. And I think that that's really important for all of us to not, 
as, as you're saying, to not judge. Um, it's black or white. It's right or wrong. It's left or right. It's yes, it depends. And maybe sometimes, you know, um, taking a, a holistic, integrative, maybe maybe the certification could be interdisciplinary where it's like we're taking multiple things and we're blending them together into this hybrid solution that you're talking about. Yeah, potentially. Um, yeah, my one of my, my main scientific advisor, um, Dr. Brian Horgan, is at Michigan State University, and he did this kind of for a, for a golf course operation. He took into consideration community value, economic value, environmental value, um, social value of, of a golf course as a natural capital asset. It's called the Natural Capital Project. But something like that for agriculture that could mm. be a certification is just like mm. transpose that, that, uh, that research, that, that mindset, that angle um, into agriculture for something that could be, um, you know, really beneficial for the planet and for us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Well, we just need to cl- clone like 50 of you and put you at, you know, the head of every uh, major big ag corporation <laughs> or whatever, like super easy, right? No, and, and you're probably going to get a bunch of job applicants after this <laughs> yeah. podcast. Um, but we talked about a few things today. We talked about maybe shopping on the outside of the grocery store. Uh, we talked about, you know, p- maybe getting into farmer's markets. Getting changing, to know your farmer. Getting yeah. to know your farmer. Um, sharing our, our toilet bowls with our roommates and housemates. and Sharing flushes. Uh, if it's yellow, let it mellow. If it's, brown. Uh, if it's brown, you could probably flush it down. <laughs> um, what else do you see? Uh, and, and if people are looking for more, we talked about some documentaries too and some books. You know, Dr. Mark Hyman, who's a complete beast in the space. Mm-hmm. Uh, Food Fix, I think, is the book you mentioned, right? Um, and, and he has a host of books that are really incredible. Kiss the Ground. Uh, Kiss the Ground is, is... Biggest Little Farm. Josh Tickle. Yeah. Kiss the Ground. And then Biggest Little Farm is a good one too as it, well. If there's folks in local communities, what do you suggest they do to get involved or get aware? Is there is there a way maybe visit farmer's markets and start picking the brains of some of these farmers? Or, or how are they able to contribute directly? I, I think the best place to start would be like if you have netflix and you haven't seen kiss the ground watch it okay Mm -hmm. because like that will give you so much motivation and inspiration to to create change in your own life that that is effective yeah yeah you know would help you and your community yep i think what also these documentaries and these books are doing is trying to push people towards getting more in touch with and having a, re- a direct relationship with nature. Yeah. And if we value nature, like we value our friendships and our relationships, we'll want to protect it more. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think on a fundamental um, consumer level, taking radical ownership of, I have a direct relationship with nature. And, you know, we just interviewed Louis Schwartzberg, who is the um, filmmaker of Fantastic Fungi. And also, if you guys haven't seen that, definitely watch it. Yeah. And, and maybe right after uh, Kiss the Ground, because these they go together so beautifully looking at the, the dynamic relationship that the fungi and the mycelial network has in creating all of our, our forests, yes, but also our food. Um, I think that those things go together really well. And it, it really is just pushing people, encouraging people to develop your own love and almost like fervor for protecting our earth that is our only home. Yeah, well put. <laughs> and rant. <laughs> um, last thing that I have on here that I want to touch on um, is um, for someone who's like, oh, I'm going to you know reduce my impact on on water or the tap use or whatever by drinking water bottles what do you have to say to them oh man um i would 
there was recently a study um, or there was a there was some sort of heart issue that was caused in children from a from a healthy w bottled water um, they put too too much of an additive in it um, and it it caused a lot of the sickness i would oh no. i would send them that that <laughs> that story first and and the the settlement of that but um with water bottles it's a tremendous like single-use plastic is a is a big problem like avoid it when you can like i mean like even i carry around like a like a knife fork and spoon that are like foldable like a backpacker setup mm, okay um so i so i don't use single-use plastic but water bottles like just because it's in a bottle in a plastic bottle and it's marketed and it has a brand on it doesn't doesn't mean quality alkaline yeah. it's all over right now doesn't mean that it's clean and that it's structured and then it's giving your body what your body is actually asking for in the form of water yeah like like i i when we moved every time i move i install a, a reverse osmosis system and an alkaline filter and mm -hmm. and it's important it's not just install it and forget about it it's like every year you got to change the filters right <laughs> but it's just just put it on your calendar it doesn't yeah. take but like five or ten minutes but um but i would you know encourage listeners to to source your water in a way that minimizes your your single-use plastics yeah. um, just because it's in a bottle and has a brand on it that, you know, you see other people drinking that are fit and healthy and, yeah. you know, living a life you want to live, like doesn't mean that that water's better. Like mm -hmm. my, yeah. my, I'll take the, the Pepsi challenge with my water against your bottled water any day yeah. 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 and we'll measure it. You <laughs> know, I do want to plug, um, spe speaking of water, um, I do want to plug our episode number 82 with Gary Greenfield, who takes us through the importance of having structured, mineralized, clean water. And if you're not a water whiz like Parker and you can't just do this yourself, I would highly recommend listening to this episode um, and getting one of Gary Greenfield's systems in your water. They're super affordable. Yeah. And you can... It, it takes, you know, not very long to install. There's videos, there's resources. That's what we have where it's a, it's a four stages where it's, it's, um, mineralizing, cleaning, and then it's also structuring, restructuring, putting it through this vortexing action that, um, restructures it in a way that your body is needing. So it's like water from nature, not water going through 90 degree pipes that has been sterilized and basically dead. Right. So shameless plug there. Episode 82 with Gary Greenfield. Um, that is if you are not a water water whiz like Parker. But um, definitely that's something that we can all do. If you haven't addressed your water one, um, you're going to help our planet, but you're also going to help your body and your own health by doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Word. Yeah. It sounds like there's some uh, uh, some fun homework and some actions out of this. I think we'll all be be doing uh, refresher for me to get back into this space from a reading perspective, from a documentary perspective, um, it, it's it's one of those things that I think it's gets swept under the rug oftentimes in a, in a world of doom and gloom, and we're we're talking about uh, you know the c word and the v word a lot, <laughs> and and we forget about these things that we can actually start taking yeah. taking real uh, bringing real momentum into uh, making the world a better place, and this is. God, this is such an important one. Yeah, yep, the, it is. The time to act is now. Lake Oroville, which um, provides a ton of water to the Sacramento area, Northern California, is at Deadpool, right? Mm. Which means it's not generating electricity. Like water is not flowing out of there. Lake Mead, I think climatologists are saying we're about two years away from that there, um, which is which is massive. We have, you know, lakes. I think it's 
Lake San Pedro in, in Arizona is dry. Yeah. <laughs> we usually use that lake for growing crops and for fighting fires. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're at a point where we need to act now. Yeah. Like we, we can't let much more time go by. You know, there's a lot of skeptics saying, you know, uh, are we, are we past a, a point we can, are we past an inflection point? Like, are we, is it, is this doom and gloom? Yeah. Like, are mm-hmm. we there? And it's like, it, every, I, I believe in the resilience of, of humans and I believe in the resilience of our communities that, that we can make meaningful change, um, and, and snap out of this and learn, a, learn a hell of a lot from it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the work that you do in the world. And I'm so grateful that you have this passion and that you are one of the individuals leading this charge. And it it is absolutely so important. I can't think of something that's actually more important. So props to you, my guy. Awesome. Thank you. Happy to do it. Keeps (laughs) keeps me engaged. Yeah. And, And we have a few more just rapid fire questions for you as we come to a close here. Um, you know, the medicine podcast is all about expansive medicine, right? Quote unquote for body, mind and relationships. And we're curious to hear from you. What feels like medicine? First, we'll start with your body. What feels like medicine right now? Sleep is my medicine. Um, I'm coming off of two weeks of being on the road up to NorCal and back twice and Yuma, like sleep is my medicine i'm tracking and i'm behind so so sleep is my medicine right now Uh, for my body absolutely Absolutely feel you there i always say there's a million supplements in the world but the best pre-workout is just a good night's sleep yeah oh yeah it's absolutely and and it's more important to like it's more important to to fight tomorrow like than to than to run yourself in the ground. Yeah. Like tomorrow is more that mindset has been helpful for me from a mm. restfulness perspective. Cause I've, I've pulled like 84 hour days where I don't yeah. sleep and I go from conference wow. to conference and drive and don't and work through. Cause there's been no, you know, I, yeah. that I felt like at the time it was my only, the only way. So, mm. well, so and maybe that's your huge. answer to the next question. What, what feels like medicine for your mind? Oh, medicine for my mind. Oh, let's see. Mindfulness is huge for medicine for my mind. So to be able to, at the end of each day, I, you know, what worked for me today? What, what do I want to see tomorrow that happened today? Um, that could be an action, um, interaction, a relationship, uh, you know, some, the way a, conver- a specific conversation went or the intention that I brought to, to something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I note that. And then what do I want to let go? What did I not like? What did not move the ball forward today? What do I want to let go? What do I want to quit on? You know, what do I want to quit out of my life or let go of? Mm-hmm. However you want to frame yeah. that. But that really helps me go into tomorrow with intention. Yeah. I love that. So good. What about for your relationship or relationships? What feels like medicine right now? So right now, like when we are able to get away and just, just put, just put, close the devices. I mean, we're, we're mm. so connected all the time. And I mean, just no devices. We went to, for my birthday, we went to Zion um, and it was amazing. Wow. Um, we went to Zion and just disconnected. And then we went to, we went to Supercross <laughs> national championship in Salt Lake city and Christina loves Supercross. So <laughs> now we're trying to incorporate, we went and we saw motocross at Fox Palo, which is just North of us here and, and, uh, in San Diego. And, um, and yeah, so we try to structure a time where we're just away from everything, just get to be with each other. That's great. Yeah. Structured freedom. Yep. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. Critically important. Mm. So good. Thank you again for being here. And we are, I'm so grateful that we 
know you as a human, but also just that as a friend and you're an incredible person. And, um, I'm so, so grateful for the work that you're doing in the world and it's so, so needed. Um, and, uh, I can't wait to see what comes from you continuing this work in the world. Awesome. Well, love you guys as well. Um, stoked, stoked to, to see more of you right yeah. here yeah. in the next season being in San Diego. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go. <laughs> All right, you guys, take one thing, take one action from today, um, whether that's sharing a flush or saying goodbye to water bottles or, you know, watching a documentary, or maybe it's all of the above. Just take one action. Tell someone. Don't sniff the turf. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, stay off the turf for sure. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Go spread some light. Bye. If you liked this episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen. This will ensure that every episode drops into your library automatically. Also, make sure you're following me on Instagram at Mimi underscore the medicine. To learn more about our favorite health products, foods, and supplements we discuss on here, visit getmimifit.com forward slash the medicine cabinet, or just check the show notes below. Until next time, cheers, boo.